begin after eight taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the ND. It was free for all and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick cause you're incapable A-A-M's. That was TJ Drennan there, and welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, aka Free For All, and in this episode, well, this is going to be quite tangential to raise a suggested topic of rules. We don't need no stinking rules. I'm going to talk about my experience of playing Recess using the play-by-post site, Rollgate, I also want to talk a bit, yeah, there's been a lot of talk on the Discord about rules light, or rather light rules, and I wanted to talk a bit about just labels in general and their usefulness. So to get things going, here's a call from Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, Free Throw. Just want to say that this is Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast again. Just want to say, and hopefully I'm not mixing my podcast up, but so you said Rollgate and Rysus. Well, you know, I back when Rollgate started, I played in a Black Hat game on there. That was pretty cool. It was the Island of the Eld. Um, it's kind of cool venture. But Rysus is an old favorite of mine, and I'm going to talk about it this Wednesday or Thursday on my next episode. Because I'm going to use it to talk about the rules light thing for Arnison Month. So I look forward to um, hearing any thoughts you have on my thoughts on Rysis. And if you want to talk further about it on your podcast, I would love to hear further thoughts you have on that system. And how to correctly pronounce it, because surely I'm not doing it. So I'll talk to you later. Take care. Yeah, thanks for your call, Jason. Really appreciate that. And I did reply to Jason's message, and you'll probably hear that in his episode, which I believe is going up today. Yes, um, Jason, I really want to thank you for pointing me in the direction of that interview with uh, S. John Ross. And as for a pronunciation, I didn't realise it's a Latin word meaning laughter. And it's pronounced resus. (laughs) But I'm probably... I'll probably revert back to calling it Rhesus, as I was initially. Yeah, I really, really love the guy's attitude. Being someone who doesn't take himself particularly seriously, it's one of the few traits I possess that I don't mind finding in other people. (laughs) And uh, yes, his explanation of his creative process... I write a game that sucks and I hate it and then I rewrite it and it sucks a little bit less and I keep doing that until I get tired. (laughs) And that just sounds, just, you know, that's a great approach. 
and very honest approach. And uh, yeah, the way he talks about not serious, but sincere. And I can see the value of that. It's interesting that he designed uh, Rhesus as a system for testing uh, modules he was writing for other systems. Uh, other systems that his friends didn't enjoy playing. So he created these light rules just as a means of testing adventures. So that's cool. As I said in my message to Jason, I'm sure anyone can see the fact that Osseus, the 2D6 game that I put together, is essentially Rhesus with the mechanic from uh, Tunnel Goons, which I believe is from Traveller initially. And basically, you've got two mechanisms there. Not even mechanisms. I mean, well, you've got guidelines for creating a character and you've got a core mechanic for adjudicating everything. And that's, you know, that's what Rhesus is. That's what Osseus is. And I, I also like the fact that he said when he's creating stuff, he comes up with a lot of detail that he doesn't actually bother putting in the published product. I totally get what he means there because he wants people to have the experience of creating the elements that he enjoyed creating. So he wants to give them a leaping off point, essentially, for their own creativity. I love that. It's one of the things that I'm, I think I've spoken about appreciating with Into the Odd, the fact that there's lots of little things in there to suggest what the world's like, but actually everyone is going to create a very different world from each other. And I love that. Gary and Dave shared credit on the white bus But as things advanced, their relationship was on the rocks Maybe less people know his name But he revolutionized war games With the first fantasy campaign just listening to the rest of that interview and uh, yeah what a really really interesting guy i really like his take on gaming in general and it's nice to hear the perspective of someone who's played literally hundreds of different systems um, to such an extent that he feels he could just sit down and run any one of them so I was going to talk a little bit about my experience with Rhesus using Rollgate. Um, now, if you're not familiar with Rollgate, it's just a website for play-by-post gaming and didn't really struggle too much getting to grips with it and I've found it very intuitive, although uh, you know I can't always find information <laughs> when I need to often. <laughs> end up uh, clicking on the wrong icon but um, no that's that's just me brain like a fish but 
I felt that Rhesus is the kind of game that really lent itself to that format as well. And playing through uh, Toast of the Town was uh, really, really enjoyable. It's, um, well, I'll give you the setup. I don't want to spoil anything. But essentially, you begin the game, you're heading into town because you've received a letter from a friend asking you to come and meet him some suggestions that there's something going on but when you get to town you find that your friend has died in a fire the previous day uh, there have been a few fires across the town and a demon is being held responsible it's been captured and he is facing execution yes yeah, so it's essentially it's an investigative game and i think there was only really one instance of combat towards the end there wasn't too much rolling involved to be honest it was more about you know us finding out what was going on and figuring out who to speak to next and not raising the alarm while we were snooping around and um, you just really really enjoyed it I will certainly be using Rollgate uh, well I'm still using Rollgate I'm in a game being run by Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue exploring his world of uh, Markovnia that's going very well although I do fear for the current state of my character Manny who I've grown quite attached to I do wonder whether the system lends itself to playing in this format. But, uh, not that there's anything wrong with the system. I, In fact, I really like Castles and Crusades. It all seems very intuitive. You know, real love-hate with the D20. Failing far more than succeeding. Just an upshot of being a first-level character, I guess. Combat, lots of... Uh, flailing around and not a lot happening except for what's just happened to my character of course and I'm about to check in to find out oh well that didn't go well I'm now unconscious on the floor dear oh dear Well, looky here, we find ourselves back in Controversy Corner. Ding, ding, ding. Um, yeah, I don't know whether this is much of a controversy or not, but I uh, just wanted to say something about the conversation that's been going on in the Audio Dungeon Discord. And there have been a few podcasts about... I know uh, Ray Otis has put out a podcast about rules light oh sorry light rules games and ray otis of plunderground and jason of nerds rpg variety cast is doing an episode about story games and um i just wanted to speak more generally about labels really i mean labels are useful Labels evolve, 
they can also become obsolete, you know, when they cease being useful. This sort of brought to mind the label of indie with regards to music. I mean, in the 70s and 80s, indie music was essentially anything that was released on an independent label. Anything from Throbbing Gristle to Aphex Twin or Kylie Minogue. I mean, even Sun Records was an independent label and they gave us Presley, Lewis and Cash. But in the in the 90s, that changed. Um, particularly, I know Blur weren't so big in America at the time, but over in the UK, there was a perceived rivalry between Blur and Oasis. For many people, Blur were the quintessential indie band, and Oasis were viewed as being more mainstream. And yet Blur were on a major label, but Oasis were on an independent label. And I feel that that's kind of... I mean, that's where things start to change. When things start being embraced by the mainstream, by the wider audience. That's when labels start being twisted out of recognition. And certainly when mass media gets involved. Um, I mean, sticking to the subject of music, I remember the term trip-hop becoming prominent. Uh, a label essentially created by the music press, where most of the bands that fell under that umbrella would never refer to themselves as trip-hop. In fact, actually refusing to be associated with that particular label, which possibly a little foolish, because they, you know, they were clearly, they clearly ticked the boxes when it came to what that term was trying to cover. And then you got something like dubstep, starting out as a kind of sort of dark ambient dub reggae using sub bass frequencies and syncopated rhythms and crossing the pond and becoming this aggressive electronic lurching kind of music that couldn't have been tonally more different and some some labels come to mean the exact opposite of what they were intended for in the first place you know, the the idea of safe spaces springs to mind. Safe spaces initially being uh, academic spaces where potentially inflammatory ideas could be discussed. People could speak without fear of being judged. And that use of the term is also used within the world of psychotherapy when you're speaking to your therapist you know that that idea of discussing things without fear of being judged and that being flipped on its head safe spaces now seem to be places where you better watch what you say because if it upsets anybody 
you're out. Which, uh, for me, that's illustrative of a lot of problems that we seem to be experiencing today. As for the usefulness of labels, rules light has always been quite a useful term for me. It certainly helped me discover exactly the kind of games that I was looking for. So for me, it served its purpose. You know, games like um, Rhesus, Into the Odd, Naive, ICRPG, Cthulhu Dark, Lasers and Feelings, Tunnel Goons. Um, but then there's those games that um, I'm not sure where they exist. Because, um, I mean, games like Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells or Jaws of the Six Serpents, certainly streamlined rules, not particularly weighty tomes. I don't know whether the term rules light is useful when talking about games like that. I mean, that's, you know, where, that's where the term starts kind of breaking down, where you, you know, you're kind of on the cusp of what it means, and uh, you're kind of in that grey area. You know, I start thinking to myself, do I consider them rules light uh, just because I find them intuitive? Do I consider other games as not rules light just because I don't really understand them? And uh, the term story games as well. Now, I left a message with uh, Jason Connolly of uh, Nerds RPG Variety Cast regarding my thoughts on this about story games generally being self-proclaimed how I've seen the term being used in a derogatory manner as if to downgrade uh, certain games um, as if they somehow weren't proper RPGs uh, but I've also you know heard and understand the other side of that so at this point i begin recounting a couple of incidents that a couple of people shared on audio dungeon discord and on reflection i thought it probably wasn't my place to share those stories on another forum so i've removed them but the point i was trying to illustrate the kind of exclusionist attitudes when individuals expressed their interest in games that fell in another area of the RPG Venn diagram. Somehow story games were something better uh, reducing regular RPGs to kind of, you know, hack and slash dungeon crawls. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with dungeon crawls. Um, it's just a willfully narrow-minded view of what OSR RPGs actually are. See, labels, you know, labels serve a purpose until they don't. And when they become problematic, then we should be willing to let go of them and move on. 
and that can only be achieved through dialogue you know I mean this is where the problems arise when you make assumptions about what other people mean when folks are more invested in tribalism than they are in attempting to understand each other and it all comes down to intent looking at such terms in isolation can be so abstract as to be meaningless the meaning lies in the context in the way it's being used and I just wanted to say that uh, I think it was in Dave Aldridge's first Deeper Centaur episode or possibly in a call-in where he used the term Indie OSR which I loved because it Well, that's enough for Controversy Corner. I feel that I've survived. I haven't backed out. I haven't created a diversion for myself. I feel so comfortable here. I might end up getting a ticket. think that's about enough from me i've been spencer aka free thrall this has been keep off the borderlands if you want to look at my game rules or see us they're in the program description as is a link to tj drennan's patreon where you can get some of these wonderful sounds there's also a link to leave me a message or you can email me at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. And remember, if things get dicey, just roll with it.